Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. What's new? Anyone wants to check out my breakout series? I'm publishing it on Patreon and on YouTube. I'm really trying to push the Patreon content this time of year where there's not much going on, so I'm trying to fill the space with all the stuff that's going to be really useful for making decisions in trades trading expectations of what the season's actually going to look like already uh, so feel free to check those out had some good feedback on the videos already and uh, really appreciate it everyone um this week on the podcast we're going to have another interview this time with mike havens from dlf and also trophy smack we talked about how to make trades at different points in the year specifically at this point in the year who's standing out and why what value means and also you know why we hate each other so much because obviously we do um really had a terrible time talking to mike i hated it uh but i do think it was one of uh one of my better interviews i really think we got some actionable interesting information out of mike uh, despite him obviously um and all because of my brilliant interview skills not but still i really enjoyed it uh let me know what you think thanks very much Nah, I've forgotten. It must have been one of those lies I was going to tell you, I guess. Yeah, and there's, there's plenty but, of those. I honestly, know. I don't believe nah, a word yeah, yeah. that comes out of your mouth. Uh, yeah, let's get it done so you can go to bed like the old, terrible person you are. So. Yeah, I am. I am tired and old, and that's fair. What's your name again? Mike. Mike something or other. Singletary? Yeah, close enough. File of it, you're off. Right, right, just, right, 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 Just a bit, yeah. Okay, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how do you play fantasy? That's not the well. Uh, honestly, not well. I, I pretty much donate entry fees. I mean, I can beat people like you, cool. but when it comes to like quality players, I, ah, I struggle a bit, uh, you know? It does, it does. Uh, who was a quality player, actually? That's something I've never asked. Who do you is the best fantasy player? The best fantasy player. I, I don't well, know. Well, there is I, no best, but who comes to mind when you think of someone that you know is going to be really difficult to beat or you would favor to win in a fair competition more times out of 10 than most? That kind of thing. Is there a so, list or a group? What yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say in in a league I would favor anybody, but in trades, I don't know people that can really take it to Ryan McDowell. He is a pain in the ass to deal with. When it comes to trades, he gets value every time. The only way to beat him, and this is for all his league mates, is to go for older players on his roster for younger players on on yours. He is an ageist, so that's the only way I found. But but he is someone that I struggle with on trades. As far as leagues go, uh, honestly, I I don't I don't really see anybody as being a, a major force in the leagues that I'm in. It tends to rotate quite a bit. Uh, you know, I finish near the bottom, obviously, in, in all the leagues that I play in. But for the most part, I, I think that the game catches up to people. I think people tend to play a certain strategy or a cer- certain way, and the game changes. And, and you know, right beneath their feet, and they fall flat on their face, very similar to what I did in last year's fishbowl. Two years ago, made the finals. Last year, I couldn't even make the playoffs because I ran the same strategy, and the game changed. So I, I've so. seen just fluctuation. Yeah, it's just not someone that I say, hey, this is a constant force in the league. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that's actually part of the how I view fantasy because if you're playing one strategy, especially in a league, you're normally you're built a certain way and your team functions a certain way. People vary their strategies from league to league quite often. Talking to people on the podcast, they're like, well, it depends on the, how the draft goes. If I've taken over an orphan, what happens that year? 
But the way production in the NFL happens, it tends to wave is too simple a name for it, but it where the production's coming from or where the value is tends to be different on a year by year basis, essentially based on, well, the randomness of reality, but also the progression of players through their careers, who's going to be good. Not that everyone knows exactly who that is, but we're trying to make best guesses about who it is. And the randomness of reality is sometimes one of them gets injured or they just struggle or they lose whatever they had before or the team loses its quarterback. I mean, there's always another X variable that you can throw on. But beyond that, it's just players aging through their careers. And so if you're youth obsessed, which Ryan McDowell, the author of Productive Struggle, yeah, he's pretty youth obsessed. Mm-hmm. And, and also that's why he's going to win a lot of trades because you know value tends to lead to points. And if you're always going for younger players and you're getting that right fairly well, you're going to win a lot of trades until, like you say, it goes wrong because actually the production that year or for the next few years is more established players, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But I went off on one there because you said nothing of interest, so I thought I'd maybe I'd add something. No, you actually you you brought me to you brought me to something of interest. So we... when you say Ryan McDowell is good at trading, it's hard to beat Ryan McDowell or trade not necessarily beat, but trade with Ryan McDowell. What do you mean? What does he end up with a lot of the time? Perhaps apart from you know Judas Mishus. So so I think one of the things with Ryan is that you don't get he you know he's someone's been playing for a while. So you don't get a lot of passion. And and normally it's funny, me and Leo Pasigia talk about this all the time. Like when you're playing the person, normally I can find your sweet spot and I can grind value out of you. Oh, right, right, right. So that's really the play is that you find out for whatever reason it is that this person is already picturing your player on their roster. Once that happens, once they're on the hook, Peter, you can usually – drain a little more value out of that player than you would anybody else. But with Ryan, what I find is that he has set his value when he comes to the trading table and nothing that you say or do, no tricks, no nothing you try to slide into the trade is going to waver him. Like he is one of those, like, you know, when you're buying a car and people get sucked up in the process, like he's one of those guys that walks away. I'll say, this is my price, take it or leave it. And you know that he's shopping around. You know he's putting in the effort. So someone's going to come to his value. And I think that's the difference. When someone's trading on a value charge as opposed to targeting a specific player, it's hard to drain value from them because you can get that perceived value or outcome from multiple different players. So Ryan's a guy that I can't ever squeeze that little bit of juice out of that makes you feel so good when you leave a trade that you left with a second round pick you didn't expect or a, or, or a handcuff running back that's one injury away from starting from your team. I never get that with Ryan that I get with other people that are like, wait, before you walk away, we're so close to a deal. And, and I never get that satisfaction in a trade with him because he comes with value, stays with value. And if you don't meet his value, he leaves and it, it's very businesslike and, and very unemotional. It, it, I feel unfulfilled. Like, I feel like Ryan doesn't love me sometimes. Where other people, I feel like, love me and they give me he a doesn't. little extra because they want me to be happy. Exactly. And that's fair. I've learned to live with this. Yeah. No, no one, no one does. I, I'm going to, I'm going to die alone. And that's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all happy with the situation. <laughs> don't, don't, don't rock the boat. Um, no, I think that's a really interesting way of explaining it. And if, and most people have heard him on a podcast or seen him play Dynasty or talk about Dynasty. You know he does have passion. It's more about, um, well, exactly like you say, if you're playing used car salesman, 
he, he he's not going to budge on it. And I think that's really interesting because when you look at ranks versus ADP, what you find is a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, tendency to lean in one to wide receivers, two to young players, but also into players that have established some level of production. There's relatively little, dis- there's more dispassion in players that might have the potential or the hope um, of what's to come, as it were. And that seems to be part of what you're describing as well. Um, is that how you would say, because you didn't, I just say I gave you the opportunity and didn't, but is that how you would say you're trying to play dynasty or fantasy? Sorry, because you don't play too much dynasty, if I remember right, to win. It's, um, I won't say used car salesman, because I've thrown uh, enough insults for now, I think, but more of a car salesman strategy. It's all about trying to get a little bit more out of what you should get and just move the ball down the road slowly that way. Um, sometimes, yeah. I, I think really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to establish a relationship with people in my league that I can exploit at a later time. So if you think about that right. on some trades, you might be giving a little and making them feel good. Something that you're not worried about giving up. I, I say, you know, thirds and fourths and dynasty are things I'll always throw in, but I'm going to make you work for it a little bit. So you feel good because I want you coming back. So it's kind of that lulling somebody to sleep, uh, you know, almost like a pool player hustling them, letting them win the first game before you start playing for real money. But one of the big things I'm always trying to do is establish relationships that I can then exploit. I'm trying to expand conversations that I can learn from. Like I know John Bosch, for example, when he makes trades, it's offer and answer. That's it. He doesn't like to talk trades. With me, those conversations are nuggets that I'll write notes down and I'll wait for later to strike. I don't like, you know, making a passionate move but what i like to do is make a note that hey peter really was negative on this player and once i see that being a value move i'll be calling you saying peter i know you want to get rid of this player let me help you out here you're already out of it this year here's a second for a guy who i personally think is worth the first right so it's all about conversation and relationship establishment for me and then exploiting it and and bleeding you dry when that opportunity comes that that's the killer mentality that i like to play with but it's always with the effort of winning I, i i can't rebuild i i don't have the patience for it i i don't have that even keel that ryan has to run productive struggle I'm trying to kill people each and every year. And I, I might go down trying. I might end up putting myself in a deeper hole. But I'm trying to find a way not to win the trade, but to crush you in the league. And my favorite, my favorite is when I beat you with your own players. I have one buddy who still won't talk to me about fantasy football because I beat him in the finals with Todd Gurley that he traded to me for Amari Cooper. And it was the best, <laughs> the best feeling that I've had to date in fantasy was not just beating him, but beating him on a trade that I made with him. Like that's the type of friendship ending glory that I play this game for. You know, I don't care if we ever talk again, it was worth it for me. I'm just kidding. Yeah, and that's that's why I've just gone out of my way never to make friends with you. Like it's gonna go away eventually. Why bother? Exactly. uh, Eventually you will leave a trade feeling embarrassed no 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 it's never gonna happen you're never gonna manipulate me buddy i see you coming (laughs) you see i'm already out i'm I'm out before the game begins that's how i win no um it brings up another question i I talk about it a lot and i think about it a lot because talking to people in my discord or just on twitter the whole follow adp thing is the best generic advice never make a decision follow adp stick to the value and move move the chain slowly until eventually you've gone off like a rocket ship i guess if you're Ryan McDowell. But I also see the opposite argument. Like ADP is wrong sometimes. I'm not going to draft a player just because someone else would draft. I understand 
people who come up uh, with that kind of not objection, but that question behind it. Do I really have to take this backup running back instead of this sleeper wide receiver that I like? Well, yeah, technically. But all of that, what is and isn't right in ADP or in value or, or dealing with the trades, you, as you were just talking about, you have to have some idea of what the value is meant to be that Ryan is sticking to, that you know he's sticking to, and that um, that you're trying to beat, essentially. And yet you might have varying different values on that player. Like you said, I might not like a guy, so you think he's worth a first, and I think he's worth a second. That's not necessarily beating me in a trade, because you'll never do that, obviously. But one of us is, could be right, one of us could be wrong. And so I guess what I'm coming to is, how do you look for value? How, what, how do you define it? Because this is ethereal term that I think is the difference between dynasty and redraft or keeper leagues for that matter. Um, and it's really important, but it's just an overused buzzword at this point. Everyone's got a different definition or a different thing that is a different value. Like mm-hmm. outlier used to be, everyone's an outlier, that, which means there's no such thing as outliers anymore. So this word value is at this point, overused or terrible or or rubbish Uh, for some people it doesn't help it doesn't make sense even though it's probably one of the most important things because it's become a buzzword so i guess what i'm trying to dig down into is what you mean when you say that is there a better definition that doesn't just leave people thinking oh i have to just do what adp says or i have to just do what ryan says or sure so something more concrete than this value term I, I think there is. And, and one of the big things is that we look at in both of us with DLF and, and what you'll see is when I put out my list of sleepers, for example, I will tell people that by the end of this NFL season, I expect them to rise three rounds in ADP. I will tell you right. what your ADP is and I expect them to jump through rounds. So if say you're at 66, I expect you to finish in the top 30 in the next round of ADP. I think that you can make concrete value where people will say sleeper for, for literally no reason. Like I'm seeing people are sleeping on guys that I think are stars. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. For no value. And I, you can tell you try and trade for him. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The person in your league rostering them probably values them Pro- a little bit more than ADP. Yeah. Probably likes them. And one of the things that, that I love about ADP is that people reference it as if it's a static number and not a trending or value. Or there's just one. Month. Yeah, of That's course. You, like only only, only yeah. one place does it. So one yeah. of the things that I'm looking for is oddities. So one of the things that I will tell you is when you look at, for example, depending on the time of year, when you look at value and you take a look at where the value comes from, One of the things that you'll notice is from January, for example, until April, when the draft comes, do you know what never gains value without a major change in scenery is running backs? Because what happens is people that have these running backs on their team assume they're never going to get replaced. So the only way they can go is down. So when you look at it from that perspective, there is no value gain to be had from January to April to trading for a running back unless you think there's going to be a value change. The only time we've seen major jumps is, for example, Austin Eckler. And that was a major jump from when Melvin Gordon was eventually moved off of the Chargers, change, a change in situation, right? But going into the draft during that time, there's no value to be had. So I'm not looking to make trades at that point. The other thing that you can gain value on is taking a look at the value of draft picks. Are they going to go up 
pre or post draft. In this draft in particular, the landing spots weren't great. So if you bet on picking up draft picks before the draft, you lost. Your value's gone down. So one of the things that people don't do is rather than looking at a static and you can look at a list and say, hey, here's what I'm going to do and here's what I'm not. That's not going to help you. But can you take a look at it overall and take a look at the trend um, and then we can go from there? That's what I'm looking for is can I take a look at the trend and how it's going to jump? I think what you're essentially describing or something that I've come across before talking to Zach Reed and talking on the Dynasty Grind is this idea of micro market. So you mentioned jet running backs from April, January to April. They can't mm -hmm. increase in value. They can't get replaced. The risk of the draft, there's a market there where running backs have value, but there's risk involved in it. And so trading them away rather than trading for them is more where you lean. Also picks, you started to mention... And, and I think you're talking about trading for picks for next year or before the draft is a bad idea. But if you want them, if you're trying to build value through them or you're interested in them, you should try and target picks out a little bit, at least a year. Zach Reed at this point is at two years out, I think, in the leagues that he plays in. Because that's, again, to your point, it's a lot about what who is in your league d determines how you play a little bit. Because in Zach's leagues, in my leagues, if you want picks, you're trading for 2025 picks. No one's really giving you value, even on 24 picks, because that's just a year out at this point. So you're going two years out. I don't know if you have better rules or rules that you find work, or not rules, but guidelines that you find work better in your leagues and the ones that you play in. And another one we've talked about is injured players, because there's always a hype video, especially for running backs. After they get injured, they're mm -hmm. going to have a video of them cutting and running. And while their value might not change or their ADP might not be significantly different, the fact is that people in your leagues, because I know this because it happens to me, the psychological aspect of Dynasty is you're more invested. You think they're going to come back. You think more positively, so you're at least more willing to trade for them. Um, and so if you trade for them while they're injured or after they're injured, you have uh, almost guaranteed that at some point someone is going to be more interested in them at their value when that video comes out. That's one that Zach's talked about a lot as well, and I agree. Are there others that we might not know about? So this is where we're coming into one right now. We talked about pre-draft and how draft picks are going to be affected right. and also running backs. Now what you have hit is panic time. And what you're going to find is you should be looking through rosters and you want to find people that can't set lineups. You want to find where their weaknesses are. And you want to couple that with the second ingredient that we have right now which is beautiful marvelous my favorite thing coach speak oh, you are gonna hear wonderful ones i i saw today a tweet about how cooper cup is so impressed with puka nakua and if cooper cup is impressed with puka nakua everyone else should be um you know from someone that i love and i, and I love the optimism i love seeing things like this but your goal now is to figure out which coach speak is garbage and which is real. And once you learn those, once you can figure out the tendencies and you can take advantage of that, that is huge. Take you a little ways back. If you remember the Denver Broncos, we were talking about D'Angelo Henderson. And I bought all in to the coach speak on D'Angelo Henderson. He looks so good in the preseason. This guy's going to be a starting running back that I made a second round pick on D'Angelo Henderson that is never coming back to me. It was a horrible pick because I bought into the coach speak. And you know who loves coach speak is Twitter. And if your league mates are heavily in Twitter, you should be heavily in Twitter watching who 
these people are blowing up past their value. This past week was James Cook. It's a great time to trade James Cook. I'm seeing oh people God. call him a running back one. He's the third best rusher on his team. Let's relax a bit. So if you can get that type of value, that's huge, right? So what you're looking for is hype talk of a boring community, a board community that have nothing to talk about right now because there's no live games and coach speak that are trying to pump up their players to make them feel good and utilizing that along with, like you said, injury hype videos. There's so much going on right now that is smoky mirrors that actually has an impact on the valid perceived value of a player that cashing in on that is perfect. I love making trades from June to September because people are, are everybody's a contender. Everybody's a winner. So your pool to be able to trade with is larger because everybody theoretically could win. The amount of players that are going to make an impact is much larger than is actually going to happen in the NFL season. So now is the time when winners are built. So the draft is over. You see where everyone fell. Now, who are we overhyping and who are we raising to a level where they just flat out don't belong? And how can you cash in on that market? You have three months to make some deals. So what is, because my default is I don't believe any coach speak. I don't believe the preseason hype. I don't, and it's not because some of it isn't going to work out. I remember Damian Pierce after injuries in the preseason, there was a lot that um, uh, preseason buzz came back to bite us because it became worth first. And we laughed and guffawed at that. And honestly, that still worked out to be true because even though he hit and became the running back, like he's, he became less valuable after he did it because everyone saw how he plays, which is kind of what we knew from his um, profile. But anyway, um, like the times that it works does not seem to pay the bills of all the times that it doesn't. That is something you think you can narrow in on to figure out when it's Daryl Henderson and when it's, I don't know, Damian Pierce is the best example I've got. Like, I cannot think of a time that the pre-buzz coach speak worked. Or is it always just a sell thing for you? No, it's not always just a sell thing. The the only thing that is certain in the NFL is money and that it's a business. So one of the big things that you're looking at is you want to dig into contracts in particular. Uh, one of the ways that actually hit big in being an analyst was calling that Cam Newton was going to get cut from the Patriots. It was one of the more obvious calls that I've ever had because the money made sense to move on from them. And the corresponding moves that the Patriots made were pointing towards Mac Jones being the starter. Uh, it was a simple way to say, we have to sell Cam Newton. Everybody, and I'm from here, you know that. You can tell from my accent. Everyone was talking about Cam Newton, the starter, how he's going to be healthy. This is going to be his year. And then he was cut because the money made sense. So one of the big things that you want to do, if your coach speak precludes that the incumbent starter, for example, is moved or cut or is sent to the bench, Look at how much money they're paying them and how much of that is guaranteed and what cap hit is going to happen if they do cut them. Is it feasible? The fact is everyone wants to have these grandiose ideas of how these players are going to pan out. But in actuality, this is a numbers game and it's accounting. And what you're not going to do is you're not going to cut a player that's fiscally irresponsible to do so. And you're not going to bench him if you're paying him. That's the last thing that they're going to do. So why did Damian Pierce work out? Well, there was nobody stopping him. There was no financial burden. And there was right, really the injury. Exactly. So that changes everything. But if you're banking on, for example, a young tight end coming in and taking over from, from the incumbent starter, 
well, what's he making and how much is guaranteed? Because that's going to have more impact, believe it or not, on the number of snaps your rookie gets than how he plays. So all that coach speak doesn't matter if the dollars don't line up for the player to have that opportunity. And in reality, and you know this being a spreadsheet guy, the value is only an opportunity. It, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how many chances you get to show it and how many times you get to produce. That has to have a multiplying factor. So if the dollars aren't going to allow that door to open for a player, I'm absolutely selling on, on every bit I can. And then when the disappointment comes in, I'll pick them back up at the end of the season for when they can cash in when that contract all of a sudden expires and now we have an opening. That's how you take advantage of it. And that's how you determine what's coach speak and what's real for all the dollars. Um, I think there's some truth to that. Not a lot, but you know, I give you a little bit, especially when it comes to the end of contracts, Cam Newton's type of contract, when you can see that players are just more of a burden to the financial situation than they are benefit to the team i think that gets caught up in a lot of the ideas that the money matters mm-hmm. but it leads people down essentially 100 percent misrats such as which undrafted free agents getting the most money which is the biggest undrafted free agent contract that's never really helped out discovering which Nothing. one is gonna work out um so it, it has a lot of false signal but especially in terms of the end of players careers when they are more dead cap than they are actual uh, salary. Um, I, I think you can find some trends in that as well. Um, it, but that's not really coach speak, that, or not what I was thinking of. Again, definitions being arbitrary at this point. But I mean, I'm, I, when I think of coach speak, I think of the guy running all the routes and catching all the balls and the highlight clips in, in the preseason. Oh, no, that, that's, that's how I make my list. That's how you make the list of who you want to research. Like who to sell. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's but then do oh, the okay. research. Yeah, because that's my thing. If you're running the routes in preseason, you're looking great. And then all of a sudden, the two wide receiver sets come out and their two high-priced assets are sitting on the field and your rookie's sitting back on the bench. What did you actually pick up? A hope and a dream. And how many times have we fallen for that, right? So that's what I mean is that you have to be able to properly project opportunity for the coach speak to matter. I don't care what they're doing, but that coach speak that looks great. High point in the ball, coach's kid, Jim rat, all these fun things you hear make the list that makes the list of people that I'm going to research. And then I'm putting big highlights on people who have little to no chance to contribute that year, moving on them, moving on them, moving on them. And I'm trying to get those crusty veterans that nobody's excited about for those rookies that are never going to see the football. Yeah, I think that's a process. It's it's Terrence Marshall season to me. It's he looks good on this picture and uh, everyone misreads what's actually going on um in the expressions of uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore who have a look of horror but it's it it's not of that he looks so good um because of the hype and the hope and the dreams. Um but at the same time the veterans that have again, consistently proven to be able to earn volume tend to be uh, where you're going for when you're selling those hype candidates. So you're not aiming for Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase unless if you can trade for those guys, you will trade for those guys. But the less sexy names, the ones that have been doing it a minute and maybe haven't had, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase seasons, but are going to help your roster for those Puka Nakua's or, or those Terrence Marshalls tend to be the way to go. And... Um, there's one more thing I want to get into, like, is a player standing out to you? But And the other thing that I thought 
was interesting that you mentioned was filling your roster season. Like right now, people are starting to think about who's going to be my running back too. And mm-hmm. um, that's, a, that's a window you try and take advantage of. You go looking at your teams in your leagues and think who is thirsting for X. Absolutely. What I'm trying to figure out is who's desperate. Who has made a misstep? Who's had a camp injury? Who is worried about setting a roster? And like I said, if you know your league mates, you know who's prone to anxiety. I once made a trade at halftime of Monday Night Football. When Odell Beckham got hurt, he went down. I sent the offer and texted my buddy who had Beckham immediately because I know he has anxiety about who am I going to be able to play next week. It's fascinating, but people who are panicking right now, people whose draft rookie draft didn't go the way they wanted to, and they're sitting on Raheem Mostert as their running back too, for example, with all these Dalvin Cook rumors going on and Devin H. changing, mm. right? Those are targets that I look at, and I'm saying, well, look, at I have this shiny little Cam Akers right here. <laughs> what can you give me for this Cam Akers? And you'll see that people are starting to overpay because now they don't have, once your rookie drafts over, what, what opportunity did they have to set their lineup? And they're going to be willing to give you higher end value to be able to know for certain that they, they have their little protective blanket, right? Of I have my running back too. Now I can feel great. And that's where those middling running backs gain value. You're getting nothing from January to April, but you're getting a ton from June to September. And that's where I'm sitting there going, now's the time to sell these fellas. Let's get some movement going. And that's where that becomes really into play. And you're playing a game of chicken, Peter, because what you want to do is you want to get as far into this season as you can without somebody beating you to the punch. Because the closer they get to line up time, the higher the value goes up. It's like holding draft picks till you're on the clock and it's, it's a real thing. If you can do that, that that's where your value lies. But right now, the best thing you can do is take advantage of people who can't build a roster, who can't set a lineup and give them someone that feels good, that feels comfortable for something that could have a huge rise in value. So buy injured, yes. Also yep. trade the need. Go looking for who has, who thinks they have a need right now and try and give it to them. And, and maybe get a little more than you should or a little more than you could otherwise. Although, again, I'm, I think that establishing what is worth what is still a little fuzzy, but maybe we'll come back to it. Um, how do you avoid these things? Uh, I like actually, you, have a, you have no running back to. You have an injured wide receiver. Do you just lump it, basically? Yeah, I don't care. I, I don't really start worrying about my lineup until, say, week four or five. Uh, one of the best gifts that we have is bye weeks and that's where waivers get juicy. Uh, so I don't worry about having a hole in my roster. I don't look to build holistic. I look to build top end and I figure I can get 70% of those middling guys off the waiver wire. One of these, you know, boosts you don't expect, or one of these draft pick trades that you can make. So I have no problem leaving a gaping hole in my lineup, it doesn't scare me at all because I'm not worried about, am I going to be able to find a replacement for Cam Akers? I'm trying to package Cam Akers and deal to get those players we talked about, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases, whatever it takes, those high-end rookies, Garrett Wilsons, right? Those are the guys that are irreplaceable. 
So having that person on my squad doesn't make me feel good, bad, or indifferent because someone will always pop up. They'll always be a Jeff Wilson. They'll always be a Damian Pierce. They'll, they'll always be that guy that just falls into the end zone every once in a while and gives you value that you can pick up for dirt cheap. So for me, what I'm looking to do is just say, I'm not worried about my roster. If my value hits, whatever, I'll make a deal. But otherwise you go in with what you have. And and by week four or five, people start panicking. Some people start feeling like they're pretenders. They they start off slow because no one's ever come back. As you know, Peter from an 0-4 start in fantasy football, it's never happened, right? So I wait till that point and I'm like, oh, you have that nice aging running back on your team that would look good on mine. How about this pretty little second round pick? Because your season's done anyway. And and this guy's going to be in a retirement home. By the time you're any good, you have opportunity at that beginning of the year to take advantage of the way that game shifts again. But don't do it preseason. Go in with the hole and don't worry about it. Just be confident in a plug and play. Play the bye week. Play the weeks. Play the play the matchups. You'll find somebody. So I, I have I have no fear in having a hole in my lineup for week one. All right. Um, that sounds good. How do you go about establishing the values? Again, just to circle it back around. You've, I'll put it to you this way. You have a shiny Cam Akers on your roster. You want something for it right now. You're playing that chicken game. How do you establish when it's time to accept a trade or a trade that you would accept versus not? So the big thing for me is going to be what is the trade going to look like over two to three years? Like that. That's what we're looking at, right? Can I trade now dollars? for you know what you would do similar stock market for something that's going to rise so what i'm looking at is inequities in the market for example a couple years ago one of the biggest inequities we had in the market was devonta smith the you know the narrative that he was too skinny i used to make fun Mm -hmm. of you for that one uh opened up this not me my friend Uh, i am (laughs) anti-bmi i know i used to make fun of you saying that he's too skinny that was always one of my fun jokes because it it pumped a narrative but but it makes sense when you see those misfit toys when you see those oddities that's what i'm looking to get so when i take a look at adp and i look at like roughly where cam Akers is going i take a look at a few sites i look at folks around them that we talked about that are going to fit my sleeper category folks that are going to jump three rounds but in today's dollars they'd be considered equitable that's where your market inequities are so when i have a nice shiny cam Akers, i'll take a look at a few sites keep trade cut dlf fantasy pros you know you take a look at the market and say, okay, cool, I've established that Cam Akers in the community's estimation is of the same value of this player. But Cam Akers is going to be Cam Akers week 16 if he doesn't get hurt. So there's literally, we have hit ceiling on Cam Akers. Can I trade him for a floor asset? Can I trade him for someone that is going to make me look like a genius in a few weeks, in a few months? Like, is it Somebody, for example, like a Jalen Warren who might jump up if there's an injury to Najee Harris. Is it, can I get a first round pick plus the third down back in New England, which is always someone who is undervalued, dirt cheap, because everyone seems to think Ramondre is going to catch a ton of passes, which he won't. (laughs) And I get that extra throw and like, is there something on your roster? Can I get equal value and a lottery ticket on top of it? Because one of the things we talked about is mitigating risk. If you get dollar for dollar value and a lottery ticket, you're, you're already came out even. 
right? So that's what you're looking for is can I get someone that at their floor is going to match the player that I'm giving up, but the ceiling is higher. The potential for growth is there. That's where you take your cuts because you're not, you're basically playing with house money at that point. So take a look at where Cam Makers is going and find those guys that are at the absolute floor for their value that are going to jump because of some oddities, misinterpretation of the team or the scheme or something strange like Devonta Smith is too skinny. There's always market inequities you can be looking for, but find the misfit toy that doesn't belong in that round and attack that manager to get the trade done. All right. I, I don't want you to give us a whole list here because people can pay attention to your content or check out the work you do to find it. But is there anyone on the buy or sell or the, the misfit toy list right now, the one that you, if you have one league that you would be trying to make a move on in one direction or another right now, in dynasty so right now the player that i am picking up everywhere is chris godwin uh this camp battle between baker mayfield and kyle trask is creating a huge huge buy opportunity for the very talented tampa bay wide receivers they we've gotten to the point where even though it is fun to watch the videos chris godwin runs short short of the intermediate routes that is going to be the best friend of a mediocre quarterback we we made the same mistake with jared goff and look what he turned Amon ross and brown into right like this is an opportunity for us don't make that face i'm right um this is an nope. opportunity for us to pick up Chris Godwin, who is still, in my estimation, a top 10 talent wide receiver in the league for wide receiver two to three prices. Why aren't you doing that? I'm seeing him go in the fifth round. Oh, no, I'm fine with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I just don't believe Jared Goff makes Amon Ra. I think Amon Ra makes Jared Goff. Oh, sorry. What I mean is look at what Amon Ra <laughs> does with a basic quarterback <laughs> like Jared Goff. Phrasing. It's important. It's, it's, as, long, as long as you're happy. Uh, Baker Mayfield is good enough to get the ball in Chris Godwin's hands. So the discount <laughs> has gone way too far on Chris Godwin that I am so far out on, you know, in on picking up Chris Godwin everywhere. The other person that I'm in on everywhere is JK Dobbins. I, I think this is someone who people are forgetting what a talent he is and this offensive schemes about to change. Uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for JK Dobbins to absolutely take off one of the most efficient runners in the league and someone who's still going at or around Javonta Williams as if they had the same injury. It's a very strange thing we have going on with Dobbins, but I think he's going to absolutely take off. And then in the cell list, uh, good. No, depends go on what it. your expectation is for Dobbins. He's a good player. He's going to do well, but I think he's limited in terms of his end of his finishing rank. But in terms of a weekly upside or how good he is or whether people are going to like him more in a year, I think mm. that's fair. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get into it too too deep because you're an old man and we're getting late. And yeah, I, I, am I was an old given man. a very strict set of uh, <laughs> criteria to be able to talk to the great you. Um, but what are you up to right now that people can check out? So right now I am booking the SFB Podathon. So I am in the beginning stages of getting everybody their time slots, making sure that 
all the celebrities that get my hands on are joining. Plus, you know, nobody's like you that I'm trying to give opportunities to so people can figure out what your name is. Uh, but I am at the point of trying to book a 36-hour potathon with the help of Salito, uh, Dave Wright, Bob Gilchrist, John Bosch, uh, Russ Dynasty Outhouse, Russ Fisher. Uh, we have a whole gang. Stephen Roto's doing uh, the image work for us. So there's a ton going into that, but we're hoping to put on a great show July 7th and uh, 8th and 9th, excuse me. Um, but that's really 98% of what I'm doing right now. And then a few guest spots like this, but that is all encompassing at the moment. So I'll be back to content creation. I don't know, maybe in August if I'm bored, maybe not. Maybe I'll never show up, but, <laughs> but either way, that'll be uh, the bulk of my time for the next month. No, uh, the polythons are generally one of the best things, and there are many good things that come out the uh, FSB for all of us. Because even if you're not playing in the SFB or you have no interest in it, which, you know, what, what's wrong with you? But still, um, what the polython does is gives you an access to a whole bunch of new and old faces to give fantasy information on a 24 hour podcast. You can meet players or analysts or content creators you might not have come across before doing good work and find out if you like what they do. And just tune in any time throughout the, what is it, 48-hour period? You might see someone that you know and get their perspective on 2023 or someone that you didn't know that you wanted to know um, at any time. And it's fun. It raises money for char for the charity. Even if you're not interested or in the Scott Fishbowl, like I said, I think the Potathon's legitimately one of the things we all benefit from. Um, so not you, obviously. You don't count. You're not doing it. But everyone else who works really hard in it is pretty awesome. So that, that's cool. Um, where can people find you, though, personally, whenever you choose to maybe, if you're bored, create something uh, content-wise? Ah, jeez. So they can find me on the same website that was dumb enough to give you a spot uh, on DLF. Wow. I don't know how they decided both of us have any talent, but that's uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, Off-season content during the season. I'm at Trophy Smack doing a weekly sleeper article where you will find people that I see in the under the top 24 consensus rankings for the week that I think will finish in the top 10. So I play a little betting against the experts game and, and see if I can give you someone <laughs> you might be able to find on the waiver wire for a start in rotation that week. Awesome. Um, well, I guess thank you. Just as a matter of form, I'll say thank mm. you. No, this was um, a great show. You're welcome. For coming on the podcast, even though mm. I was basically blackmailed into it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, great to see you. Thank you very much. Yeah, just don't, you know, don't bother me for another year because this is this has been really terrible having to deal with. This you. has been a chore, I think, for both yeah, of us. That's uh, fair. That's the one thing. That's the one thing we, I think we can agree on. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go 
Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though Pete and Numo, it's the plays, they're analytical